Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Bensound.com Oh yeah, baby. We are here, we are here, and we are at it. Welcome to the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. My name is Greg Moraz. I am your host. I am excited to be on the Hoop Ball Network talking Chicago Bulls basketball with you, the ever hopeful and yet very little time satisfied Chicago Bulls fan. I'm starting this podcast at an interesting time, and first off, I want to thank my main man, Dan Besbris, for inviting me onto the Hoop Ball Network. A little bit of background on myself. I am a former minor league baseball broadcaster. I spent five seasons with affiliates of the Seattle Mariners, Milwaukee Brewers, and most recently the Kansas City Royals. I currently work in the stats and research department for the Pac-12 network. So I work mainly on basketball shows, mainly on the women's side, but good amount of stuff on the men's side as well and I'm just a basketball junkie I'm a sports junkie in particular but if you listen to the trailer maybe you did maybe you didn't but if you didn't I'm gonna explain it to you now my dad's family's from Chicago my first memories of basketball games are growing up watching Michael Jordan in the finals against the Utah Jazz I am from the San Francisco Bay Area but I was raised a Chicago Bulls fan and during my childhood, I'm 27 years old, there were a lot of positive memories of the Chicago Bulls from those 04 to 07 teams that had the likes of Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon to the Tom Thibodeau, Derrick Rose early era teams that year that they made the Eastern Conference Finals and Taj Gibson had that epic slam. Oh, those were the good times. And then they get the number one seed in the strike-shortened year. And Derrick Rose tears his ACL in game one of the first round against the Sixers. And the franchise was just really never the same. They're always competitive under Thibodeau, and he just got into arguments with management. And now you've gotten to this point where you've hired Fred Hoiberg, you've cycled through Fred Hoiberg, you tried to build up, then decided you wanted to win in the short term by signing guys like Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. You wanted to get rid of them. You traded away Jimmy Butler, which I think... I will admit, and I may be in the minority here, I am somebody that thought that trading Jimmy Butler at the time was a good move just because of the fact that I didn't think that he was going to sign an extension past his original five-year extension, and I just thought that it was going to come to a head with him and management at some point, and he just had that air about him, and I guess to an extent he's had that pretty much everywhere he's gone. They traded him because they just didn't want to deal with his attitude anymore, and they figured that they could build pieces around him. Well, that was not the case. Zach Levine, that's a good net on the return from that, but that's pretty much all you've got of value. Chris Dunn has proven to be an average point guard who can't shoot and a first-round pick that turned into Laurie Markkinen. Now, I was positive on this Bulls young core until Captain Underpants came in. 
And who's Captain Underpants, you say? Well, that be it Jim Boylan, who seems to have... Oh, my God. Like, I... I've been around enough Chicago sports. Like, there have been some incompetent Chicago area coaches. Most recently, Mark Tressman of the Chicago Bears, who was just a walking, talking, embarrassing soundbite. I mean, Jim Boylan is trying to coach this team like he's coaching a military academy of middle schoolers. Like, the NBA is not a drill sergeant league. And Jim Boylan comes in. He's making the guys run wind sprints. There's a mutiny the second day he takes the job they lose by like 50 something to the Celtics and they extend him for this year and this year has been nothing short of an abject disaster and one of the things that I think is interesting about where we're starting this podcast right now and the reason we're starting it right now is well number one this is when Dan asked me to come on and be a part of the network but number two tonight was an interesting night recording this on a Monday night the Bulls beat the Dallas Mavericks by a point at the United Center, which is one of their best wins since the All-Star break, and there have not been many wins. They won 109-107. to 107. It marked the return of Otto Porter to the team. Otto Porter had been out for most of the year with a mysterious hip injury, but he comes back tonight. He plays 17 minutes. He scores 18 points. He's got a plus-minus of 11 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from three-point range. And it just has you thinking, what would this season have been like if you had a healthy Otto Porter Jr.? What would this season be like if you had a coach that wasn't Jim Boylan? I mean, this team has just been absolutely marred by injuries, and management loves to use that as an excuse. You lost Porter early. You had an injury to Wendell Carter Jr., and he's finally back. You had an injury to Laurie Markkinen. You had injuries to Chris Dunn. I mean, it's just the injuries, injuries, injuries talk. And it's been interesting lately because Jim Boylan, I think, is not long for the job. And a lot of people thought that he was going to be long for the job just based on the fact that John Paxson had that much faith in him that, I mean, he was their interim coach. They didn't even look for a coach, and they just hired him. They just said, okay, Jim, you're here. We like you because you don't butt heads with us like Hoiberg or, more specifically, Tom Thibodeau or Scott Skiles did. Here's the job. Take it. But this season has been like no other in Bulls basketball because, hey, guess what? Guess what? The United Center, all that years it was sold out, whether the Bulls were good or bad, it's not selling out anymore. People aren't buying this. They're not buying the blitzing pick-and-roll defense. They're not buying the calling unnecessary timeouts with 30 seconds left in the game down by double digits. I mean, the timeouts that Jim Boylan calls are just so ungodly awful, it's, it's hard to fathom. Like, what, you want to develop all 15 guys? You want to be able to run a play for Adam Makoka because he's a G League player and he's not willing to learn in practice how to run an inbounds play to set up a three-point Like, It's just, it's ridiculous. And, like, look at this Bulls schedule since January 31st. They lost at Indiana by nine. They lost at Brooklyn by 15. They lost at Toronto on Super Bowl Sunday. That was the Jack Armstrong, I want to get out of here quote in regards to Boylan's timeout. They lost by 27. Then they go to Philadelphia. They lose by 7. Then they go to Washington, lose by 12. 
Then they come home, they play the Hornets, they lose by 10. They then lose by 8 to the Suns. They then beat the Wizards by 9. Then they lose by 2 to the Thunder at home. They lose by 10 at the Knicks. And then tonight, they end up somehow beating the Mavericks. And then they're going to go to Minnesota for a game on Wednesday. I just can't deal with these guys. I mean, they're somehow, somehow still alive for the eighth spot in the East. But that's so unlikely at this point. I mean, how bad does it have to get that you're 19 games under 500 and you're still vying for the ninth spot in the East? They are, as it stands, six games behind Brooklyn, who currently holds the ninth spot, or rather the eighth spot. Holding the ninth spot is Washington. They're four back of Brooklyn. Charlotte is 30 and a half back of first place. They are five and a half back of the eighth spot, and there are the Bulls at 31 games back of first place Milwaukee, who's already clinched a playoff spot at 21 and 40. The only teams in the East worse than the Bulls, the Pistons at 20 and 42, the Knicks at 19 and 42, the Hawks at 19 and 44, and the Cleveland Cavaliers at 17 and 44. This is a Bulls team, by the way, that lost to the worst team in the NBA by record, the Golden State Warriors, twice. They lost to them twice. And the Bulls had an easy opening to their schedule, and they didn't take advantage of it. And I think one of the interesting quotes that was taken, and I can't even remember after what game it was at this point because all these games seem to blend together, is that Zach Levine was complaining about something that happened in the game and the fact that he was upset with how they were playing. And Zach Levine and Jim Boylan do not get along. Levine is constantly questioning why Boylan is calling so many random timeouts. And Levine just sits there and says, why? Why? Like on the camera. And then another one, he's like, why are we taking a timeout down effing 10? But Levine, somebody asked him about the injuries, and Levine was saying, well, we were playing bad before the injuries, after John Paxson had come out in a press conference during All-Star Week and said, well, the injuries are a main reason why we're playing so bad and why you know we haven't meet, met expectations. Levine was 1,000% correct because the Bulls were terrible before all of these injuries started to happen. You had a significant regression from somebody like Laurie Markkinen who in his sophomore year was averaging 19 and 9 and this year was averaging 14 and 6. Like for a guy of his size, I believe he's 6'11 and the wingspan that he has and the scoring ability that he has and the type of pure shooter he's supposed to be, I mean, you can't have those regressions in year 3 even before the injuries. And it it's not a stretch to say that like they don't have a real coach. Like Jim Boylan is not a real coach. I mean, it boggled my mind the other day when I heard the story, or rather I heard the old fable, you might even call it, that if Sean Miller hadn't have been hired at Arizona, that they were going to go hire Jim Boylan. Like, really? They were actually considering hiring Jim Boylan to coach that program after he basically got run off at Utah? All right, it was while he was still at Utah, but then Boylan eventually got run out of Utah, and they have a competent coach now there in Larry Kostowiak. I'm talking about Utah Utes basketball, not the Utah Jazz. Anyway, the Bulls before the season started were trumpeting this expectation of we are wanting to make the playoffs. We feel like we're a team 
that can make the playoffs. And then rumors started to circulate very quickly after the All-Star weekend that the Bulls were looking for somebody to come in and play another role in the front office, either alongside John Paxson or in place of John Paxson. And based on how loyal Jerry Reinsdorf has been to John Paxson over the years, like, think about it. Jerry Reinsdorf has had basically two president of basketball operations in his time as chairman, the late Jerry Krause and John Paxson. I don't think Paxson is necessarily going to be willing to step aside, so it's going to be up to Jerry Reinsdorf and his son Michael Reinsdorf to make a determination on if there is going to be somebody to bring in for the future. And I think that that should be the case because after a while, you need another voice and you need another set of ideas to bring to the table that might further the future of your basketball team. And I think that John Paxson, for the most part, has drafted well. I think Kobe White has turned out to be a really solid draft pick. I don't think he's much refined as a point guard yet, but he has the opportunity to turn into a really consistent scorer. I think that Laurie Markkinen still has the chance to be a real stud, and I think if Wendell Carter can end up playing the type of basketball that he was meant to play, meaning shooting a little bit more, allowing him to pass from the post, and he's not allowed to pass that much. They're trying to get him to play more like a post-up big, and that's really not as much of his game. They have a chance to be really solid, and Zach Levine, for the parts that came back in the Jimmy Butler trade, like Levine is not an alpha. Levine's an alpha on a bad team, but he's really a secondary guy. He's not somebody that you want to be the superstar of a team. He's not the guy that you're going to rely on to take that last shot. Like, he's a volume scorer, but he's not the guy that is going to end up being your prime ticket. So if you have a core of guys like Kobe White, Laurie Markin, and Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Levine... You need that one guy that you feel like is going to end up being your alpha, your star, because you have a bunch of betas. And I feel like what the game against the Mavericks proves is that while many people probably don't see him as that, functioning within a core of highly skilled guys, Otto Porter can be that alpha. Otto Porter, I thought last year, when they picked him up at the deadline with the Bulls having no chance to make the playoffs, you figured this is a guy that they're effectively considering their free agent acquisition for this year because under this administration, there haven't been a whole lot of free agents that have willingly wanted to come to Chicago. You remember the first LeBron James experience. He went to Miami. The Bulls tried to get Dwayne Wade to leave Miami that first time. He stayed in Miami. They couldn't get Chris Bosh, and they settled on Carlos Boozer. Next time around, they have a big chance to make a free agent splash. They end up with Pau Gasol. Now, I'm not saying that Carlos Boozer and Pau Gasol were bad additions by any means, but the reason why they're not considered premier players instead of just really above average players is that they both had defensive flaws in their game. And Otto Porter, over the course of his career, has been a relatively good three-point shooter, and he's been a very efficient shooter from the field. His 2016-17 with the Wizards in 80 games, he shot 51.6% from the field, 43.4% from three-point range. He was averaging 13.4 points per game, had a free-throw percentage of 83.2%, and was relatively good defensively. He averaged about 1.5 steals per game and he ended up averaging 6.4 rebounds per game. So he's not a guy that's going to be an elite scorer, but he's going to be an efficient scorer, an efficient shooter, and somebody that rebounds the basketball, which 
you'll take 6.4 rebounds out of a guy that is 6'8", 198 pounds, and functions more of as a small forward than he does as a power forward. So having somebody like an Otto Porter Jr. was going to really help to space the floor. He was going to help provide that sort of swingman presence that combines between that good offensive scoring type small forward and a small forward that can play a little bit bigger and help out guys on the post like Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen. And I would think that based on their body type and based on their build that, and this is not calling out Laurie Markkinen by any stretch, but you know Laurie Markkinen is not as adept of a physical in the post guy as Otto Porter is. Like Markkinen for a guy who's seven feet wants to stay to the perimeter. And, you know, he was recruited to Arizona to be a perimeter scorer, and that's what he was. And that's what he's tried to be in the NBA. So if you look at Otto Porter and you think about what type of versatility, like when he was acquired by the Bulls last year and he ended up playing in about 15 games, he had a really good stretch of 15 games. He shot 48% from the field. He actually shot 49% from three-point range. He was averaging around five rebounds per game. He was averaging 17.5 points per game, which, if that was a full-season number, would have been a career high for him. So Otto Porter was a guy that a lot of people probably figured was going to be a solid acquisition that would help be a semi-veteran presence on a very young core. And his health has basically been one of the main reasons why he hasn't become exactly what they've hoped he was going to be. That doesn't necessarily mean that he can't in the future, but at this point in the year, it's March 2nd, how do we assess what the Bulls are going into next year? You know, you brought in a guy like Thad Young, who you thought was going to be a veteran presence big man, and it's clear that he wants out because he can't stand Jim Boylan. Tomas Sadoransky is not going to be a long-term solution at point guard. You have to make a decision in this summer on whether or not you want to re-sign Chris Dunn. And Chris Dunn is interesting because I thought he's a good point guard in terms of actually running the offense, but I've come to determine, and I think a lot of people have, this is not some like grand revelation that I have, that you need to be able to shoot to be a functioning point guard in the NBA. And Chris Dunn is not that. Chris Dunn is a guy that is going to run your offense well and he will function well within your offense and he's never going to be the guy that you ask to score the basketball. Like, that's just it. Like, you know, Chris Dunn was somebody that was so highly regarded coming out of college and whether it was with Minnesota or with Chicago, he's just come up short of that. And, you know, his first full healthy year with the Bulls, he played in, and granted, he hasn't been all that healthy, period, Played 52 games. Now, granted, they also had Rajon Rondo on that 2007. No, I'm thinking the year before. So that year, the 2017-18 year, he had a career high at that point, 13.4 points per game. He had 6.0 assists per game, but his shooting numbers were just not good. Like, he was 42% from the field, but that was only averaging around 12 shot attempts per night, and he shot... 32% from three like I feel bad saying that a modern day point guard can't have a shooting percentage below 35% from three but in the way that NBA offenses function today you cannot have a starting point guard that shoots below 35% from three 
Last year in 46 games, he shot 35% from three, and this year in 51 games, he is having a career-worst shooting year. He's shooting 25.9% from three, but his overall field goal percentage is around 45%. Now, that's a deceiving number because he's not taking a lot of shots away from the basket. Now, while his field goal percentage is actually up about 19 percentage points this year from 42.5 to 44.4, I don't think I did the math right on that, but you know what I mean, he's actually gone down in terms of his points per game. He's actually averaging four points per game less. He's averaging 7.3 this year as opposed to 11.3 last year. And Dunn is going to be a free agent this year. And I don't see him as a guy that you bring back because he's clearly shown that he's not the type of guy that you want to run an offense from the perspective of being able to be a scorer. Like, the Bulls don't have enough pure scorers at this point to have him be a non-scorer in an offense of average scorers. Now, Jim Boylan doesn't help this case, and Boylan a couple of weeks ago basically said that the administration was not asking him about wins and losses, that they wanted him to coach this team and develop this team, and, you know, rah, rah, yay, Jimbo. I think a coaching change is going to help this team in free agency. I think it will make it a much more attractive destination. I mean, it could have been a much more attractive destination this past offseason if they hadn't kept Jim Boylan, but I think for the future of the franchise, you've got to have somebody else in place by the time that that 2021 free agency class hits and you have the opportunity to go after somebody like a Giannis. And I don't necessarily know if Giannis is going to be on your radar come next free agent cycle, meaning two years from now, not this upcoming year, but you have to make yourself an attractive destination. Like Anthony Davis doesn't want to play here. He made that pretty clear. You know, Dwayne Wade, given the opportunity the first time, he stayed in Miami instead of coming back to his hometown. Like, at some point, you have to look at yourself in the mirror if you're John Paxson, if you're Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, and saying, we are the basketball mecca for high school and college players. Why are we not attracting free agents? Why? It's got to be us. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say, what are we doing that's not attracting free agents? And having somebody like Jim Boylan in charge, who basically had a mutiny against him his second day on the job as an interim, and then keep him as the head coach, is pretty clear as to why you have no respect from your players. Like, you ever watch Bulls games and Boylan is talking it over during a timeout? Like, they are so tuned out to the guy. They are completely zoned out on what he is saying. They have no respect for him. They have no intentions of listening to him. They think he's an absolute clown. Like, people have started calling him Captain Underpants. He comes up with all these ridiculous post-game excuses. Like, you know, we we prepare for for not having any timeouts. And, you know, I knew that was going to happen. Every time something happens, he's like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. You know, we prepared for that, and we knew that was going to happen. So if we knew it was going to happen, then why didn't we prevent it from happening if we knew it was going to happen? It's just like the excuse train just goes on and on and on. And, like, how can anybody, like, look at this guy and say, hey, I'm your agent and there are some offers out on the table for you. There are three really good offers. Oh, really? Three really good offers. Where might they be? 
Well, we've got one offer. It's the least amount of money. You can go play for Greg Popovich in San Antonio and be a part of that team. And you know they're going to always going to offer less because they want team guys. Okay, okay. Well, you know that's a good start. So, uh, what? Where's our second option? Well, you can uh, you can go to Milwaukee. They're offering you a good contract, and uh, and Coach Budenholzer is a solid coach. He's coach. He's been coach of the year, and uh, you know you have a chance to potentially win a championship there. Okay, okay. Where's my last option? Uh, you know, the last option is a, a lot more money than than the first two, but uh, you got to go to Chicago and play for Jim Boylan. Oh, uh, you know what? I Money's nice, but I don't want to play for, for that guy. I'm sure that that's been the conversation between a lot of agents and players, although I'm pretty sure not in those voices. Uh, pretty sure that nobody actually talks like that. But the, the, the intent of my point was there in that the Bulls are trying to attract guys that undoubtedly don't want to play for Jim Boylan. I mean, you talk about Chicago hometown kids like Jabari Parker – he wanted absolutely nothing to do with the Bulls. After a disastrous start to the year, they fired Hoiberg last year, and then you see Boylan come in and bench Jabari Parker, and the dude just looks absolutely miserable, and they're able to get him and Bobby Portis out of town. So what's up next for the Bulls? Uh, let's take a look ahead at the schedule and see what's ahead for your Chicago Bulls and what can further be salvaged in this upcoming season. The Bulls don't play again until Wednesday. They are going to be in Minnesota at the Target Center. Certainly a winnable game. The Wolves have really struggled, although D'Angelo Russell is a guy that they have really enjoyed having around. Obviously, the Bulls don't have a post that can deal with the likes of Carl Anthony Towns. Then on Friday, they will be home at the United Center against the Indiana Pacers. Pacers are a solid team. The Bulls had chances to beat injury-plagued Pacers teams early in the year. Couldn't do it. So Oladipo, Sabonis, and those guys are coming to town. Then on Sunday, they go to Brooklyn. They're facing the Nets. And then next Tuesday, they'll come home and face the Cleveland Cavaliers. So... You've got winnable games in there, especially now with Otto Porter back in the lineup. My prediction over the next four, I think they'll go to Minnesota and win. I see a lot of positive vibes coming with the win over Dallas. I think they're going to lose to Indiana. I just think the Pacers are a better team. I think they go to Brooklyn, they keep it close, but I still think that the Nets, knowing what a playoff situation it's going to be, even without Kyrie Irving, I think they're going to win that game, and I think they'll come home against the Cavs and more than likely win that game because Cleveland is an absolute disaster. The John Beeline situation did not go as planned. But anyways, this has been the maiden voyage of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you leave a rating, write a review, and subscribe, and we'll be back next time talking Chicago Bulls basketball here on the Hoop Ball Network. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.